Hello and greetings, everyone. This is Ron Stefanski, the host of Disrupt Ed. As those of you who listened in know, we're here to talk with the disruptors, those people out there who are the do-gooders, the determined. They're passionate and purpose-driven. And what they're doing is helping all of us to understand this wild ride we're on now in this very disrupted 5G-wired, technologically advanced, globally interconnected and interdependent world that we live in currently. And so we've been interviewing a number of people on the show, talking about the future of education and upskilling into this new world, because a lot of employees are looking to their company to say, you know, I want to stick around. I want to continue to be relevant. And I know that some of my skills are going to need to be upgraded along the way in order to do that. Well, today, I have to say, full disclosure, the person I was able to recruit to the show today is is a force of nature. I've known Kimo for almost 20 years now, and Kimo Kippen uh, from Aloha Advisors was the former chief learning officer for Marriott and then the former training and chief learning officer for Hilton. He also sits on the advisory board for Kale, and he's on the college board as well. In addition, he oversees the API Scholars Program to get scholarships to API students in American. Uh, so, Kimo, I just have to say, even as you stepped away from a full corporate job as Chief Learning Officer, you've been busier than ever. I mean, you are on the go all the time. It's crazy. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Ron. So good to see you. Happy New Year. And Happy New I can't Year. can't believe here we are, 2023. Do you believe it? It's crazy. So you have been traveling around, and right now you are where? Um, right now I'm in Hawaii, and so uh, I'm originally, my family's been here for many generations, and of course I'm part of Hawaiian. So this is, I would say, this is where my heart is, and this is home home. And so we spend the winters here in Hawaii, and my wife was born in Washington, D.C., Dorota, and her whole family is from Warsaw, Poland. So we spend the summers there and the winters here. So we're here, today's the 2nd of January and we'll be here until April 18th, right after we get our taxes done. Uh, and then we head back to Warsaw. We'll spend Warsaw, uh, for, we'll be in Warsaw for the summer. That's fantastic. So um, thank you for uh, fitting us in here because you are, constantly globetrotting and when you actually accepted the invitation to join us for the show i was i was grateful because i enjoyed working with you uh, as a former partner full disclosure Absolutely. we launched a high school program for hilton together and that's when i first met you but chemo you know one of the things that has always uh, endeared me to you and impressed me about you is your other centered approach to education and upskilling in all of your roles in hospitality, you'll recognize that a lot of people were coming to the hospitality field without a straight and, and upright career pathway. They had made different jobs. They'd gone back and forth and they collected some credentials and some of them were also looking for credentials along the way. And you saw that need probably 10 or 15 years ago to say, wait a minute, if we want to keep people and we're going to face a talent crisis over the next decade, we've got to be able to engage them and train them so that they're better prepared for the jobs that we're going to have. 
And so can you speak to a little bit of that experience over the last 10 years? Where do you think employees are now? Are they as well trained as they need to be? Are companies as plugged in as we'd like to believe in terms of upscaling their employees? Where's, I, where yeah. are we at in this? Uh, I think it's a great question. And there's a, there's there's certainly a lot that's going on in our world today. And I, you know, I think coming out of COVID, there were many silver linings and there was a great deal of learning that took place. And so everyone's, I think trying to get to what that what that next normal is. I I I do want to emphasize that it's going to be always one that's in transition, a next normal or a new normal, but it's just in constant flux. And so therefore I think the key word that I would want to impart upon you would be to just think around how do we think about flexibility and agility and the importance of being flexible, the importance of being agile. The ability to change organizations that have been able to flex and to change quickly and always, always, always focused around the customer. So this whole notion around being completely fixated on the customer experience and mm -hmm. what does the customer want? What does the customer need? Uh, how does the customer want to interact, purchase, buy? And I think what we've again learned through all this space and transition is that they want it all in many different formats. So one, it has to be done. Obviously, when we talk about agility and uh, flexibility, that also would include then the mode in which to deliver that would be, of course, it has to be completely mobile. So having the ability to deliver all of that from a mobile perspective would be very important. And the focus there would be around efficiency, effectiveness, and then obviously impact. Are you getting the job done to what the customer uh, needs and wants? And even to anticipate, and again, we know they're- What they might need down the road. Yeah, what they might need down the road and what's really coming up. And again, and I spent my whole career in the hospitality space, and obviously that has just gone through major, major transformation. Uh, has, as the space has continued to to evolve over time and how the customer's needs and wants. You know, you may have heard, you know, coming out of COVID, there's this whole discussion now that revenge travel. People, people are traveling out of revenge. And look what we just experienced over the holidays with, you know, with major snowstorms across the continent of the United States, major shutdowns of airports, Southwest closing, you know, thousands and thousands right. of flights. Obviously, that wasn't just related to the weather, but that that. But it just tells you around how technology and the technology platforms that enable the customer experience are critical to your success. So I've been talking a lot about on the customer side, but again, what makes all that happen is people and the people that work within our organizations. Right. So what is it that is what is it that our people need and want in order for them to be successful. And again, I'm talking about both from, I would say, an on-premise perspective, again, because right. in the case of hotels, you have to be you know, physically present. But then, of course, there can be a complete digital like, part of that experience where now as a customer, I never even need to go to the front desk for anything. I can just, you know, for well, example, you you can check yeah, on. I can just you can go directly to my room. And I get a, a favorite yeah. restaurant uh, download. Yeah. I can do that all within, you know, the, the ability within my mobile devices. So I think we'll see a continuing 
you know, it expands upon that to continue to expand. And then I think what will continue to evolve from a customer experience is how will we build in AR, you know, augmented reality and virtual reality into those customer experiences. We're already seeing that take place today. Uh, and then again, we think about those same applications from the employee perspective, where we could be thinking around how we are able to to enact, in fact, prepare people for these, you know, in building their skills through AR and through VR. So obviously we've seen many applications where people are doing this from either a VR performance virtual reality perspective, or they're being bespoke and customly made to do that from an AR perspective so that it's directly related, you know, to what they're trying to train from a skill. So the example that I can give you from a hotel perspective is that to train, to train people, for example, in room service, how to, you know, take the order, how to then, you know, set the trays, how then to prepare the, the table, the, you know, the table that that's going to go up to the guest room. All that of course can be done virtually. Also through other modes of technology, for example, using simulations, we can then prepare the employee for whatever that experience is. And we know, for example, within the five branches of our military service with just within the US that, you know, it's all about being prepared. And so it is, think that's it's right. It's, it is all about preparation. Yeah. So we, we spend a great deal of time thinking about this from, from, uh, from the five branches of the military, right? How we're going to prepare, you know, our men and women for, you know, being ready for that moment when that they're being called upon to serve. Uh, and that all can be done. Much of that can be done again, some of that, you know, through the actual hands-on experience, actually doing the job, but obviously that can be also done in preparation, either through a VR or an AR or simulations that can then help that. I've also touched a little bit upon the importance of apprenticeships and how we can think about using apprenticeships as a way of preparing future talent for bigger roles. Yeah, I think that's coming into play a great deal. Um, would it be fair to say that 10 years ago, when we first started having these conversations, that the corporate world of leadership was not necessarily convinced that they needed to make bold investments in training um, their frontline workers, that most of the training and education budget was going to the top of that pyramid. And education as a benefit has now become a rallying cry and a competitive advantage for a lot of companies that employ a lot of customer-facing frontline employees. Is is that been your experience watching? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, that whole shift um, to think about education as a benefit or to think about, you know, your incomplete, what I would call employee experience. And right. I, I think we have to think about this from a pre-employment perspective all the way, you know, through, you know, through the entire life cycle, right. you know, going to, you know, e exiting the organization. But you can really take, you can pick apart each one of those parts of those experiences and to also know that, you know, as a person, my needs change, you know, from the time that I'm, you know, 15, 16 through my first job, you know, I'm probably not thinking about, do I need medical insurance? I just want to, I really am just looking for a job uh, right. and I'm looking for that first experience. And I'm looking also to think about my education that will, will accompany that experience. 
and then, but again, as my, as I continue to mature, then my needs may change and the need for then benefits or, you know, healthcare, for example, or retirement. Or, and these are some of, I would just call some of the fundamental ones or the, you know, kind of the basics, but then there's now this proliferation of other benefits that we could be looking to provide one to looking at attracting talent and then second of course to re- to retain talent and this is where i think education uh in what you know i think we spent a lot of time in the past you know if we're talking 10 years ago talking a lot about tuition reimbursement right uh, i think it's gone so much further than than that today which i think is really good to think about uh again from a even from a pre-employment perspective how could we be working within our communities so i know for example that there's a major large retailers that provide they're not even their employees but they're providing opportunities as apprentices and training to become plumbers and electricians uh in the hopes that they're again building the talent pool for what could then be a future employee of you know, these make these very large big box uh, hardware or hardware stores that we know around the country. So, you know, you've been talking about the growing need for talent and attracting talent, which is a shift in the dynamic, given that we have historically low unemployment. And then that's coupled with this great resignation or reset where a lot of people have opted out and we have lower participation rates in the labor force than ever before. And you still have companies that are looking uh, to expand and grow, and they need people to do that. So do you see a change in the way um, companies are looking at that um, in order to retain those folks once they come? Or is oh, it- absolutely. Yeah, I think absolutely. And I think, again, it starts with their customer. What is it that their customers are looking for? And then how are they going to be able to, to deliver that service or that product? And uh, again, and to your point around the great designation, the, the marketplace has certainly shifted. We've gone, you know, now you know, we, 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 one of the first things, you know, first happened, for example, with COVID, but I can also very speak, you know, and I, I live in, you know, I live in Hawaii, so there's a very large hospitality sector here, but you know, when COVID first hit our, the unemployment year was like 60, 63%. I mean, it was just outrageous. It was like the highest in the country. Right. And, you know, right now it's back to the lowest in the country. Um, so again, it is certainly an employee, you know, the employees in the driver's seat and the employee can drive. And so you, we know countless examples of how companies, because of the lack of talent, we know that companies have completely had to adjust their schedules in service or their products or delivering it, uh, to be able to do, you know, because of talent, you know, the, therefore the, the shortage of talent, the shortage of the right talent, which means the right skill talent coupled with, and this is why I think it's really a trifecta, it's kind of a triple witcher, is the is the supply chain. So the, mm-hmm. combined with the, the issues around, again, I live in Hawaii, you know, we were having a really tough time, the cost of shipping anything to Hawaii skyrocketed. I mean, it's started, it's come back down. It's come back down a bit normal to pre-pandemic periods, but the, you know, obviously inflation, you know, obviously we're, you know, a big topic of discussion right now is, um, are we in a pre-recession phase? I think we've already said that we are in a pre-recession phase 
and the issues around you know that around inflation are very high and of course those just related to inflated costs and therefore all those costs are having to be passed on to the consumer and obviously one of those big costs that make up that expense is the cost of labor so now the cost of you know labor has gone up in many many areas uh, so how are we again meeting those demands uh, for getting hey, talent and then the second part of that is how are we getting the right talent with the right skills to be able to do that so i think for to today's employer or someone that's in the hr space or are you know you talk to ceos and again i do quite a bit with the conference board all of our research points points to again that one of the the top things that keep ceos awake at night is really around talent and are they going to have the talent for the you know for today and also for the future and the right talent for tomorrow? Talent conversation is not going away. And even if we are to go into some form of a recession, uh, I understand from labor economists that have been part of these forecasts at the beginning of each year, we we listen to them, and what we're hearing is that that's not really going to slow down the the tremendous hunger or the tremendous need for talent, that companies are still going to be clamoring for talent and quality talent. Uh, that seems to be, to your point, at every conference I've been at at the last year, number one issue by far of every CEO is what does our talent pipeline look like? So that involves a number of different things, and you've been working on a number of different things. That, you know, when, when unemployment's low, and you know, and, and um, companies need talent. They're willing to put more into it. So on the up on the on the supply side, what they've done is they've provided a lot better and more educational options for people. So that's become table stakes in some cases where it didn't exist ten years ago. And you look at the work that you did at Hilton, at Lisa Schumacher at McDonald's, and the folks at. Uh, Walmart, all of you sort of led the charge to say we need to be providing this, and you were kind of prescient in your predictions that each of your respective organizations was going to uh, be really at a crossroads when it came to having the right kind of highly trained uh, uh, talent that you needed. So where do you see it going now? Even if we go into a recession, are companies going to continue to provide that, and are they going to continue to expand? Um, where they're getting talent from. So I've noticed that a number of people are talking about uh, going to audiences that haven't previously been really part of their mix in terms of recruiting. Oh, I think when it comes to employment pools that we haven't tapped into, uh, I think we're, we are looking and companies are looking at every possible employment pool that we can. And, you know, honestly, we should have been doing this a long time ago. Uh, and, and then particularly how can we be promoting and moving and advancing on the development of talent and then the promotion of more minorities and women in particular into these, into these roles, I think would be, would look, is going to be critical for, for success. I also think there's something to be said around the partnerships between academia, the communities, and obviously the student, and of course and and I want to see more. One reason why I'm involved in many of these organizations is because I want to see more involvement from employers to be involved in you know building what I would call the the people supply chain of talent into the right. system. And I think I think you know again companies are 
it you know th- this is not their sweet spot so they spend you know, that's not what they produce or do necessarily they but they need help in i what i would call building those partnerships um to between the community academia the employers the federal government the state and local governments to be able to you know kind of crack this code within the community and i think it's important to be said that that really happens at you know that happens on the ground and that happens at a community level so having sort of that ability to do that and execute that at the community level is really important and then i we've been talking a lot about you know obviously talent and retaining talent but i think we also have to remember at the core of all of this it's about good leadership at the core of all of this it's about good management at the core of all of this it's about do am, am as a person am i do i feel respected you know and and at and i would say respect is probably you know one of the most important things that we know that makes organizations successful and that and creating that sense of belonging uh and coupled with and you know you've heard all these conversations coupled with those discussions around esg that you know directly relates to sustainability you know, we have to think about, and the United Nations, for example, does this. They spend a lot of time talking about ESG, and they took to spend a lot of time about talking about sustainability, but really from a people perspective, from a talent perspective. Right. How are we thinking about talent for the future from a sustainability perspective? And are we going to be able to have that next generation of talent that we need? And what I'm also then venturing to say that it's not just a it's not just a college path that is the right path. Uh, right, there are right. Proficiency. sort of a, a mix up of all those things, isn't it? Absolutely, right. Absolutely, a mix up, and you know we can focus on you know more boot camps and upskilling and you know reskilling of talent. Uh, that could lead to certifications, badging, stackable credentials, all of these you know topics that we've been kicking around for many years. But again, I think what we have to, and I'm involved in another organization called Education We Imagine, where we're really thinking about how do we create ecosystems that are learner-centered, or right. that again, and that we all learn differently and our situations are unique and it really is all driven by you know where where we live you know and and much more than you know it, it again we're talking about a whole person so how does a whole person live you know in their community to be able to do that and you know from what are their needs at the time so it could, it could be childcare, it could be transportation it could be greater flexibility scheduling having the right tools, you know, we, we spend quite a bit of time talking about the huge digital divide around those people that don't have uh, a good yeah, connection. Or yeah, to, yeah, that don't right. have access to this or to have access to, a, you know, to, to, to the web. You know, these, these are big issues, uh, again, that we need to think about at the community level and how we're solving for that at the community level. So if I were a CEO writing out as we wrap up another session of Disrupt Ed, my my last question to you is: If I were the CEO of a company and I were getting ready to craft my new, you know, my New Year's resolutions, what are the one or two things I would put on my New Year's resolution list that would lead me and my team down a path to build a better talent pipeline? 
Well, I would start with the customer, uh, always thinking about the customer. Uh, and then I would be, you know, I was just looking, I, I just got my the latest edition uh, for HBR. And what companies get wrong most about managing talent, they and the answer is they misjudge what really matters to employees. Interesting. So I, I would, and again, that varies by organization, right. towards location and where you do that. So I would really, you know, spend a lot of time figuring out, and we do this a lot already, but figuring out what is it, again, that your employees need and want uh, in order for them to thrive. And again, they're, they have a choice. <laughs> so, uh, and, and we vote with our feet every day. You know, we decide you know, what we're going to do or not going to do, we make that decision on a daily basis. And so we have to think about uh, how is it from their perspective? So walk a day in my shoes, thinking about what my experience is. And in this case, how can you make it better? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And um, thank you, Kimo. It is always great to see you. To our listening and viewing audience, this has been Disrupt Ed. You've just listened to one of my favorite do-gooders out there, Kimo Kippen, the former chief learning officer at Hilton and Harvard, or Hilton and Marriott, respectively, and is also still a big influencer in the world of adult education delivered to uh, corporations across the country. So thank you, Kimo, for joining us. And... Um, I hope that we can get our schedules aligned again so that we can bring you back to see how many of the CEOs that are out there have sort of abided this idea of looking at the customer and looking at their employees and aligning their talent pipeline strategy with ways to create an environment where everyone can thrive. And I think that's a great note to leave on. So thank you so much, Kimo, for being with us today. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Ron. And to our listening oh. audience, thank you so much for joining us. Please check in with us to hear from other great do-gooders that are telling their stories about how they're helping people to sort out this disrupted, wild world, technology-driven, globally interdependent, and 5G wired at the same time. Those answers to those questions are ones you'll hear from folks like Kimo. So stay tuned to Disrupt That, and thank you so much. <laughs>